So last week we heard an inspiring message from our special guest, Jeff Hartensfeld. And if you didn't get a chance to hear that message, I encourage you to listen to it on our iTunes podcast or to go online to our YouTube channel, CPC TV, and listen to that. It was a great word. And if you don't know, last Sunday would have been or marked a five-year anniversary for this church body meeting in this building. Five years. And here's what's exciting about that. It was a day not looking inward to ourselves, but looking out into the world. That's incredible. That we are purposing ourselves, we're fulfilling that mandate, that Psalm 67 understanding that God blesses his people for the sake of the nations. So we're grateful that we're fulfilling that. And I would encourage you, if you did not participate in Faith Promise, if you missed out on that opportunity, there you have some cards in your seat back, and I'd encourage you to be a part of Faith Promise. It's a way that we can, as a church, advance his kingdom. And we want to do that. Would you like to know what our church committed to last week by way of Faith Promise? I bet you would. So if you have your Bibles, (laughs) just kidding, I'll tell you. So last week, our Faith Promises totaled $55,000, which is awesome. But also, when you combine that, if you don't know, our church tithes out of the general fund to mission. So when you combine those totals together, our church has committed with God's help to $170,000 next year for the nations. But I tell you, I'm believing by faith that we'll see an increase even from that. That by next November, we will commit ourselves to the nation even to the tune of a quarter of a million dollars. I know that we can do it. So now that is something to celebrate. Amen. We truly serve an unstoppable God. You may be seated this morning if you can. We knew we'd have some popping ones. If you're concerned about cleanup, it's called Connection Point Kids. They'll be in here after church, I will assure you. I'll wait till we be seated and then I'll let you know. I decided, because we knew we'd have balloons in the sanctuary, so we thought, well, what's going to happen? So we decided we'd have the floor hosts in the back taking names for anybody that pops a balloon. You've just made a $50 mission pledge. So, floor host, take note. (laughs) Oh, man. Hey, I want to let you know as a church, uh, as part of what we're doing by way of Faith Promise, we've committed to supporting every Indiana cross-cultural worker that our district sends out. So that means that we're going to add 18 names to our support list this year, which is awesome, yeah. So for us, that means that we will be supporting 75 ministries and cross-cultural workers in 30 different nations in the world. Isn't that awesome? We love what God's doing. Absolutely. You know, in that phrase, I'm going to say it this one time, and you can just hopefully let your neighbor know why. The reason I don't use the word missionary is because in so many parts of the world, that word carries a lot of baggage. And for people who get labeled in that way as they go overseas, if that's a label they carry, they can face a lot of challenges. So I'm just kind of erasing that terminology, if you're okay with that. I'm not looking for a new cool word, um, but I just need to find some phrase that helps us understand. As I'm talking about overseas ministries and ministers, I'm just using that word cross-cultural. Are you okay with that? So I'm not going to say it again. So if somebody asks, that's the answer you can give them, all right? 
You know, Connection Point truly is going live to the world this morning. We're doing that as we support 75 different ministries and ministers, as we go into 30 different nations. It truly is fulfilling that, that scripture that we look at from the Church of Philadelphia. I've shared it before, and I'm going to say it again here. Jesus says, I've opened a door for you that no one can close. God truly has given us an open door to the world. May we walk through it. And I know this too. We know that we will be an example to other believers of why our church exists. Reading from 1 Thessalonians 1, chapter, or chapter 1, verse 7, it says, You have become an example to all the believers in Greece, throughout both Macedonia and Achaia, and now the word of the Lord is ringing out among you to people everywhere. What a promise, and I truly believe that the Lord has given these two promises to our church. May we be a church that others look at and see they are committed to being a blessing to the ends of the earth, to people everywhere, to people here. We are never going to forsake that calling, but to people all around the world because we have that opportunity. If you missed out on the opportunity for Faith Promise, I do encourage you, grab uh, one of those cards in your seat back. We'll collect those at the end. For those that missed it, some had said they didn't get a chance, and we want to provide you that opportunity. And this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to walk through several passages of Scripture from the book of Romans. And here's what we're going to find from these passages. Here's what we'll see. Our ambition as the church must be to share the story of Jesus where it has never been known. We've got to do that as a church. So I'm going to invite you to read these verses along with me today. So now if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do. If you don't, we've got Bibles in the seat in front of you, beneath you. Uh, we're going to be reading actually from the New Living Translation this morning. I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Usually 90% of the time I'm going to read from the ESV, the English Standard Version. That's the, the, uh, the translation I usually operate from. I'm going to read several passages this morning. So for readability, I'm using the New Living Translation. And sometimes I'll pull in the message. So if you're wondering what translations, we do try to list it on the screen. ESV is the go-to. And then sometimes we'll use the New Living Translation in the message. But reading from Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. This is Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. I realize I didn't tell you the verse. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. God reveals himself in creation. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols, made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. We see that Paul, he, he really kind of paints a little bit of a depressing picture of the first several chapters of Romans. But, of course, there's always good news because God's in charge. So we see in Romans chapter 10, I'm going to jump ahead several, several chapters here. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. 
Paul writes, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What a promise. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. The last two verses I'd like to read in Romans 15. I'm jumping ahead here. Romans 15, verse 20. My ambition, Paul's ambition, has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard. Rather than where a church has already been started by someone else, I have been following the plan spoken of in the scriptures where it says, those who have never been told him will see and those who have never heard of him will understand. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So I'm going to walk through what our calling is as the church. And and the first point is this, our ambition must be to share the story of Jesus where it has never been known because evil corrupts general revelation. Paul tells us there is a general general revelation of God in creation. And in other words, all people have knowledge of him. We just read it. He said, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Then Paul also points out and makes clear the lack of clarity in creation is not God's fault. It's ours. We muddied the waters. Our condition blocks God. We suppress the truth through our wickedness. This is something scholars call the noetic effects of sin. The effects of evil on our mind. It distorts everything that we think. So you can use that phrase, I'm going to say it again, if you're sitting around your holiday table in Thanksgiving or Christmas and somebody's talking about the problems of our world today, you know, America's going down the toilet, you just bring up that phrase, you'll sound really smart. Well, it's because of the noetic effects of sin, right? You can throw that out there, you're going to sound really smart. Now, if you're at my dinner table with my younger brother, Steph, and I've got two older sisters, Nicole and Nanette, Nicole's likely going to slap you, that's what you get for being smart, you know, so I don't know if that's going to be your experience, so you'll have to decide whether it's worth it. And Nicole, if you listen to this sermon, Stefan put me up to it, slap him. (laughs) Back to the effects of sin. What we need to understand is our default is not the image of God. It's, It's not. Apart from Christ, our default is first Adam. We have evil inclinations. And because of this, people reject God. Paul continues in verse 21. Yes, they knew God but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. All people, including you, me, the man in the African bush, have rejected true knowledge of God. The carnal mind does not please God because it is unable. We are rotten to the core, evil to the core. 
The psalmist writes in, in Psalm 51.5, For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. This relates to a question I, I periodically get as it relates to mission. And the question is this, how can a loving God condemn innocent people? People who have not had opportunity to read the Bible or hear about Jesus. How can he condemn them to hell? Here's the problem with that question. There is an assumption that there are innocent people roaming around the earth somewhere. There isn't. There are no innocent people in the world just waiting to hear the story of Jesus. Instead, there are people all over the world standing guilty before a holy God, and that is the reason we need Jesus. We all have general revelation of God, have rejected him, and are condemned because of the fall of man, because of our evil hearts. But God shows up. And that's the good news of this whole story. We're given special revelation, better known as the word of God, Jesus coming to earth. Special revelation became necessary because of how we suppress the truth. There are no innocent people on the earth, but the good news is we have a good God. Our ambition must be to share the story of Jesus where it has never been known because everyone who believes will be saved. Paul writes so magnificently, he says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Those are promising words. That's great news, but there is a catch. For people to call on Jesus, they need to hear about him. And so Paul continues, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go to tell them without being sent? So here's how it works. God sends his servants. His servants preach. People hear. Hearers believe. Believers call. And everyone who calls is saved. That's awesome. Now, it's not to say that everyone who hears about Jesus will respond. But what they're saying is that some will. Some will believe and respond. But there is a potential for a breakdown in this process. And it's right at the beginning. When the servants of God are not sent, but praise God, we're a part of sending 75. That's why we send, because we don't want to miss our responsibility. When we don't preach, then there's a breakdown in the system. We are the plan of God for taking his story to all peoples, all nations, all tribes, and all languages. There is no plan B. We're it. So no pressure, but we're it. In short, all people know God, and all people reject him. All people are guilty before God, and all people are condemned for rejecting God. God has made a way of salvation for the lost, and people cannot come to God apart from faith in Jesus. And as a result, Jesus commands the church to make the gospel known to all people. All who believe in Jesus will be saved. But the question is, who will tell them?
Our ambition must be to share the story of Jesus where it has never been known because Scripture commands it. More than 6,000 people groups, totaling approximately 3 billion people, are currently classified as unreached or unengaged. And I want to explain the difference. Unreached means a people group does not contain an indigenous community of evangelical Christians with adequate numbers and resources to spread the story of Jesus within their own people group. So there's some Christians there, but not enough to cause a tipping point of seeing his story go out among the whole people group. And then there's the unengaged, which means no church or organization is actively working within that people group to spread the good news of Jesus. In other words, for these three billion unreached or unengaged peoples, almost every individual within them is born, lives, and dies without ever hearing the gospel. So the question is, what are we doing about that? If more than three billion people today are headed to a Christless eternity, they have never heard the good news of Jesus, then we do not have time to waste our lives pursuing the American dream. We don't. Not if we have all been commanded to take this message of Jesus to them. This is a cause worth living for. This is a cause worth dying for. It is a cause worth moving urgently on. It is the greatest cause in our world today. We have the good news of Jesus in us. We do not have time to waste keeping it to ourselves. You know, some wonder if it's unfair for God to allow so many to have no knowledge of Jesus. But I can tell you, there is no injustice in God. The injustice lies in Christians like you and me who possess the good news of Jesus and refuse to give their lives, making it known among those who haven't heard. That is unfair. I find it interesting, one of the most common questions asked today among Christians is, what is God's will for my life or how do I find God's will for my life? I bring you good news this morning. His will is not lost. With 1.4 million Bedouins in Algeria who have never even heard the gospel, it makes little sense for us to sit here asking, what do you want me to do, God? The answer is clear. The will of God is for you and for me to give our lives urgently and recklessly to making the good news of Jesus known among all peoples particularly among those who have no witness. The question then is not, can we find God's will? The question is, will we obey God's will? Will we risk everything? Our comfort, our possessions, our safety, our security, our very lives to make the good news of Jesus known among unreached people. One of the questions I often get when we talk about how much we plan to do to see the church established in areas where no church exists is, is the question of, but what about people here? What about people in, in Lafayette? 
In other words, why are we sending so many resources overseas when we've committed these funds to go over to the ends of the earth when there are needs right here in the greater Lafayette area and across our nation? And I do hear you on that question, and I will say we are doing things here, in case you didn't know. First of all, we're committed to local organizations, to helping the unborn, the orphans, those caught up in modern-day slavery. We just gave from our 5K race 10000 over $10,000 to Free International and Project Rescue, one of those organizations. Yes, amen. One of those works in the U.S. and right here in Indiana. We're committed to people here. We have a food pantry. We annually give out school supplies to local families in need. We regularly help church members who are in need of help. We're preparing to give away Thanksgiving baskets for the holiday season. So it's not that this here is not important. It is important. But we need to understand it is all important locally and globally. But here's the thing we need to remember. The problem, the greatest problem in our world today is not homelessness. The greatest issue in our world today is not a lack of food and water. The greatest problem in our world today is not even lostness. The greatest tragedy in our world today is access to the good news of Jesus. We as the church must address the issue of access to the story of Jesus. What right do you and I have? What right does the greater Lafayette area have to hear the good news of Jesus twice when there are over two billion people who have never heard it once. What right do we have? Shelley and I, while serving overseas, were a part of something called Live Dead. I haven't talked a lot about that. We were the Live Dead team leaders for East Jerusalem and the West Bank. And Live Dead people are, are committed to the unreached, those without access. You work in teams to bring access to those without it. And so that is a part of our DNA. The ones committing to sometimes the most unfriendly areas in our world. They follow the admonition of Paul to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard. Before serving as Live Dead team leaders, we worked with a great couple, Dick and Jennifer Brogdon, who taught us much about our call to the nations. And I'd like to share with you, Dick put together a brief video from Egypt, where they're based at today, talking about the issue of access. So if we could play that video. The Arab world, the ends of the earth, thousands of unreached groups are unengaged. No churches, no Christians, no witness, no glory. It's not an issue of lostness. Jesus died for all the children of the world. It's an issue of access. God has a huge heart for himself. 
That sounds strange to us, but before man ever existed, God was there, and there was glory, and there was love, and there was interaction between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God lives to glorify Himself. Who else would God glorify? Should God glorify me? Should God glorify you? No, He must glorify Himself. And God will be glorified by every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And this is the missionary heart of God. This is why God exists, if you will, and this is why He has allowed us to exist, that we would glorify God together. This is the story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We are commissioned, sent, as Jesus was sent, to go into every nation, every tribe, every people, and to proclaim the glories of God. And this is why missions exist, because worship doesn't. God is determined that every people will praise Him. And this is the passionate, beating heart of God from eternity past, forever and ever. Amen. A man or a woman here in the hardy Arab world is not more lost than a man or a woman in Grand Rapids, Michigan. But at least in Grand Rapids, there are churches, there are bookstores, there's radio stations, there's literature, there's opportunity to hear about Jesus. 1.7 billion Muslims in the world today. In fact, 40% of the world doesn't have access to the gospel. 40%, that is almost two and a half, three billion people that don't have opportunity to hear about Jesus, the Savior, how sins can be forgiven and how heaven can be gained. This is the reality of our day that is much more sobering than economic poverty or even political upheaval or any of the other pressing issues that are real and that God cares about. But he, he longs for eternal souls. He longs for us to be reconciled with Him. And the reality is 40% of the world doesn't even have a chance. I must go where the wild orchids Look out upon the horizon's distant glow. I don't know how long I'll have to wait on this island in time that delivers up my fate. Messages were spread across the that try to make amends Too late that ship had passed before Sailing to an unknown land Two point eight billion people in the world that are unreached. That's a lot of people. How are we going to reach that many people, especially when they live in difficult climates and contexts that are oppressive and unfriendly to the gospel? The only way that we're going to reach Libyans and Saudis and Syrians is if we live dead. We're going to have to die to our ideas of comfort and culture and security and convenience. We're going to have to lay down our wills. We're going to have to lay down our expectations. 
we're even going to have to lay down our lives. The gospel includes suffering. And Jesus suffered for us and calls us to follow in his steps. And that's what the Live Dead initiative is. It's, it is a joyful death to self that Jesus can be magnified and glorified by these wonderful people that are so lost and that he loves so dearly. John 15 verse 5 says that if we abide in Jesus, we'll bear fruit and the fruit will remain. This is the heart of all missions. It's giving Jesus extravagant time. It's loving Jesus so much. It's lingering in his presence. It's feeding on his word. That's where we get our strength. That's where we get our joy. That's where we get our power through the Holy Spirit to bring life, abundant life, to these places of death. We can reach our world with the glorious message that there is one Savior, there is one Lord. He is Lord of all the nations, and He lives that every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, from every race, has the opportunity to enjoy Him forever and to glorify His name. God's glory everywhere. Every tribe and people and nation in worship, that's where we're headed. What a joy. The good news is we can reach the world with the good news of Jesus. It's not an impossible task, but to do it, we must make it our ambition to make his name known where it does not exist. You know, but the challenge is, is what we see as we look at the world today, the majority of Christian resources are not going to the part of the world most in need of his message. And, and few understand that. So I want to share a brief video which shows where the world's resources are going today. Jesus told us 2,000 years ago that our mission is to go and make disciples of all nations. He also promised us that only after we accomplish that task will we receive the blessing of His return. So, how are we doing accomplishing our mission? To answer that, let's classify the 7 billion people on the earth today into three groups. Let's start with the Christians. About 33% of the world's population would identify itself as Christian. We call this segment of the population World C, C for Christian. It's important to remember that not all of the people that fall into World C are true believers in Christ. 
They merely identify themselves as Christian because of nominal belief in Jesus or because they live in a country where everyone is considered Christian, so they would do the same. Next, there's the 38% of the world that has access to the gospel but has chosen not to follow Jesus. They have Bibles in their language, churches nearby, friends or co-workers who are potentially Christians, or access to other Christian resources in their language. These people have access to the good news, but just haven't acted on it yet. This segment of the population is called World B. That leaves us with 29% of the world, just over one out of every four people on this planet who not only have never heard of Jesus, they have no chance of hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. They have no access to the gospel, no Bibles, no churches, no believers nearby, no chance to learn about Jesus. We call that 29% World A. Now on to missionaries. Only one out of every 1,800 Christians in World C decides to serve as a cross-cultural missionary. So, we can pull 400,000 missionaries out of that World C population. That's our total cross-cultural missionary force worldwide. Did you know that 72% of all our missionaries are going to World C? That's right! The vast majority of the missionaries being sent out are going to the people of the world that have Bibles and established churches. 25% of the missionaries are sent to World B, where there is already some access to the church and to the Bible. That leaves only 3% of the total missionary force to handle all of World A, the section of the population without any chance of hearing about Jesus. 29% of the world has no way to hear the gospel, but we're sending only a tiny portion of our Christian workers to them. What about finances? Annually, all those Christians in World C earn a total of $42 trillion. And together, they give about $700 billion to Christian causes each year. That includes everything. Christian nonprofits, churches, youth programs, missions, etc. Can you do the math? Less than 2% of Christian income is being given to Christ's causes. Out of that $700 billion given to all Christian causes, only $45 billion is given to missions specifically. That's a little over 6%. In fact, there is more money reported embezzled from the church each year than is given to missions. Remember those 400,000 missionaries? We have $45 billion to support them and their cross-cultural work. But how exactly is it allocated? Well. $39 billion goes to World C every year. Yep, 87% of that mission's money is being spent in areas of the world that have Bibles and churches available. $5.4 billion, or 12%, goes to World B each year, those that have access to the gospel message but have rejected it. That leaves only $450 million, or 1% of all mission's money, going to World A, the least reached people of the world. To put that into perspective, Annually, Americans spend more money on Halloween costumes for their pets than get sent to World A. To summarize, only 3% of our missionary force, armed with only 1% of missions giving, is going out to reach the 2 billion people who don't have access to the gospel. 2 billion people are still waiting for the good news of Jesus Christ. So here's a question for you. What are you going to do to change that? Our ambition truly must be to establish the church to make the story of Jesus known where it does not exist. We're committed to reaching our world. Connection Point 
is in 30 different countries from cross-cultural partnerships. And with our online campus, we have access to all 196 countries in the world, which is amazing. Now, I do think China and Iran will probably block access to our, our message, but that's okay. But we are committed to the areas with least access. I want you to know that. Next year, we're going to have a Connection Point Missions Weekend every other month in January, March, May, July, and September. And we'll have our annual missions conference then in November. And for our missions weekends, here's what we're going to do is we're going to host a cross-cultural worker on Sunday morning. They're going to preach. We're going to give an offering to them. And then they're going to stay over and have a question and answer time on Sunday evening so that you can have access and ask questions that you have. And Monday night, we'll have a global prayer event where we'll invite two other people from different regions to come so that we can commit ourselves to praying for the nations. Prayer works. Prayer is effective. Don't tell me you don't have a dollar to give, but you can pray at least, right? Everyone can pray. And so for our missions weekends, what we'd like to do as we kick off our first global prayer event this Wednesday, it'll be from 6.30 till 8. Come out and pray for the nations. If we want to see that change, we want to see those 29% reached, it starts with prayer. We've got huge floor maps we're going to set out in this room and pray for all of the regions, all of the nations by name. And we are committed to seeing God's name made famous in every one of those lands. So I encourage you to come. As part of our mission weekends, which we'll have in January, we want to set up a Connection Point Missions Council, people to represent the different regions in our world. These regions are discussed in that magazine that you've got when you're seat. When you came in this morning, I encourage you, take this home, read through it. It gives you understanding of what's happening in different regions in the world today. I want you to understand what's happening around the world as we pray for the world. Within the church, we want regional directors, so we want to set up a missions council for those seven different regions of the world, Africa and Latin America and Europe and and, uh, Northern Asia. And so to do that, we want to ask seven people to say, could you be our representatives, basically our liaison between yourself and the people we're supporting in that area in the world? And we want others to come alongside them and to say, we want to be a part of what's happening in Africa. We want to be a part of what's happening in Northern Asia. We want to be a part of what's happening in Europe. Now, the part of the world that has the most unreached people in the world is Eurasia. They have 5,000 unreached people groups in this area. 5,000. More than all of the other areas combined. And so knowing that, we're going to make a priority for our church that we want to go to this region, both in resources and people. I firmly believe God is going to raise up people from this church to send to these places around the world. We know that's going to happen. And so we want to go there by way of our missions council, that we will, through that missions, that that faith promises that we've collected, what we're going to do is distribute in percentages to say, your region has this percentage, your region has this percentage, and allow you to be a part of deciding, we want to support this project, we want to support these people there. But I'll tell you up front, we're going to allocate more funding to Eurasia, more people for Eurasia, because we want to reverse the trend we just saw in that video to say, we understand that we're not committing enough to that area, but we as a church commit ourselves to reaching the area that's least reached. Does that make sense? So you're going to get an email. If, uh, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Why don't you go ahead and pull out this card this morning. This was in your bulletin as uh, your program as you came in this morning. This card is simply an interest card where you'd say, I would be interested in serving on the Connection Point Missions Council. All that entails is you're going to help us with those weekends. You might help us set up the floor maps, host those cross-cultural workers that come through the church. Very simple, um, but it allows us to get you involved so that you're the person corresponding with the person we're supporting in Dominican Republic, the person that we're supporting in France, the person that we're supporting in Kenya. 
so you can have firsthand knowledge of what's happening around the world. So if you'd be interested in doing that, I encourage you to check an area that applies to you, and then we're going to collect those cards and assign people different regions. We'll try to space those out, knowing we want to give a priority to those areas with the most unreached peoples in the world. If you have area or have an interest in serving on leadership as a regional director, you can check that as well. If you don't, that's fine. But we want to provide you an opportunity, a first-hand way to get involved and making a difference in making the name of Jesus known around the world. I'm going to invite our floor host to come because we're going to collect these cards. So three simple ways for you to get involved, for you to apply this message to your life. You can sign up to be a part of our missions council. You can come to our global prayer event this Wednesday, and then we'll have five more next year. Just put that on your calendar. We'll give you the dates. So you can come and pray. So you can be a part of the council. You can come and pray. And the last thing is, by way of faith promise, if you didn't sign up last week and wanted to do that today, I encourage you to do that. It was neat to see what came in through that, and I know it'll be incredible to give testimony next missions conference to give an updated report to say this is what the church did last year, and we're going to celebrate that and rejoice in what he's going to do in the coming year. So you can fill that out. We're going to collect those in a minute. Floor host, if you don't mind to come, good luck getting through the balloons. We'll see how that's accomplished this morning. Our ambition as the church must be to make the story of Jesus known where his name is not yet famous. Let me pray this morning. Feel free to fill out that mission council card, that faith promise card. We're just going to collect those this morning. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you and rejoice ahead of time with what you're going to do through this church as we commit ourselves to the nations, as we step into that river of blessing that is going out to the nations, knowing, Jesus, that you bless for the sake of the nations. So God, help us to respond to that as we understand that. And Lord, I pray that we commit ourselves to you and to the nations and understand, Lord, that the greatest issue in our world today, above anything else, is the issue of access to your story. So I pray that we would address it well. Help us to address the issue of access this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.